O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of his kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Sunday, November 14th. Journey with me through the entire Bible in one year, focusing on the biblical calendar, the Sabbath, the feasts, and the Torah reading cycle. We have many voices, interpretations, and points of view out there, but there is nothing like listening to the crystal clean, pure Word of God in your life. It is living water for your spirit, as it is written in Romans 10:17. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. When we listen to the spoken Word of God, it is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4.12 The Word of God is alive, it is powerful, and it renews our mind and builds up our spirit. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Bread Hadashah. Today we begin a new Torah portion. Vaishlak, and it means, and he sent. Genesis 32, 3-12 When he saw them, Jacob said, This is Hashem's camp, so he named that place Mahanaim. Jacob sent messengers ahead to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom, and instructed them as follows, Thus shall you say to my lord Esau, Thus says your servant Jacob, I stayed with Laban and remained until now. I have acquired cattle, donkeys, sheep, and male and female slaves, and I send this message to my Lord in the hope of gaining your favor. The messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to your brother Esau. He himself is coming to meet you, and there are four hundred men with him. Jacob was greatly frightened. In his anxiety he divided the people with him, and the flocks, and herds, and camels, into two camps, thinking, If Esau comes to the one camp and attacks it, the other camp may yet escape. Then Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, and the God of my father Isaac, Hashem who said to me, Return to your native land, and I will deal with you bountifully. I am unworthy of all the kindness that you have so steadfastly shown your servant. With my staff alone I crossed this Jordan, and now I have become two camps. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. Else, I fear, he may come and strike me down, mothers and children alike. Ezekiel 29, 1-30, 26 
In the tenth year, on the twelfth day of the tenth month, the word of Hashem came to me. O mortal, turn your face against Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and prophesy against him and against all Egypt. Speak these words. Thus said Hashem, I am going to deal with you, O Pharaoh, king of Egypt, mighty monster sprawling in your channels, who said, My Nile is my own, I made it for myself. I will put hooks in your jaws, and make the fish of your channels cling to your scales. I will haul you up from your channels, with all the fish of your channels clinging to your scales. And I will fling you into the desert, with all the fish of your channels. You shall be left lying in the open, ungathered and unburied. I have given you as food to the beasts of the earth and the birds of the sky. Then all the inhabitants of Egypt shall know that I am Hashem, because you were a staff of reed to the house of Israel. When they grasped you with the hand, you would splinter and wound all their shoulders, and when they leaned on you, you would break and make all their loins unsteady. Assuredly, thus said Hashem, Lo, I will bring a sword against you and will cut off man and beast from you, so that the land of Egypt shall fall into desolation and ruin. And they shall know that I am Hashem, because he boasted, The Nile is mine, and I made it. Assuredly, I am going to deal with you and your channels, and I will reduce the land of Egypt to utter ruin and desolation, from Migdal to Syene, all the way to the border of Nubia. No foot of man shall traverse it, and no foot of beast shall traverse it, and it shall remain uninhabited for forty years. For forty years I will make the land of Egypt the most desolate of desolate lands, and its city shall be the most desolate of ruined cities. And I will scatter the Egyptians among the nations, and disperse them throughout the countries. Further, thus said Hashem, After a period of forty years I will gather the Egyptians from the peoples among whom they were dispersed. I will restore the fortunes of the Egyptians and bring them back to the land of their origin, the land of Pathros, and there they shall be a lowly kingdom. It shall be the lowliest of all kingdoms, and shall not lord it over the nations again. I will reduce the Egyptians so that they shall have no dominion over the nations. Never again shall they be the trust of the house of Israel, recalling its guilt and having turned to them. And they shall know that I am Hashem. In the twenty-seventh year, on the first day of the first month, the word of Hashem came to me, O mortal, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon has made his army expend vast labor on Tyre. Every head is rubbed bald, and every shoulder scraped. But he and his army have had no return for the labor he expended on Tyre. Assuredly, thus said Hashem, I will give the land of Egypt to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. He shall carry off her wealth and take her spoil and seize her booty, and she shall be the recompense of his army. As the wage for which he labored for what they did for me, I give him the land of Egypt, declares Hashem. On that day I will endow the house of Israel with strength, and you shall be vindicated among them, and they shall know that I am Hashem. The word of Hashem came to me, O mortal, prophesy and say, Thus said Hashem, Wail, alas, for the day, for a day is near, a day of Hashem is near. It will be a day of cloud, an hour of invading nations. 
O sword shall pierce Egypt, and Nubia shall be seized with trembling. When men fall slain in Egypt, and her wealth is seized, and her foundations are overthrown. Nubia, Put, and Lud, and all the mixed populations, and Kub, and the inhabitants of the allied country shall fall by the sword with them. Thus said Hashem, Those who support Egypt shall fall, and her proud strength shall sink. There they shall fall by the sword, from Migdal to Syene, declares Hashem. They shall be the most desolate of desolate lands, and her cities shall be the most ruined of cities, when I set fire to Egypt, and all who help her are broken. Thus they shall know that I am Hashem. On that day messengers shall set out at my bidding to strike terror into confident Nubia, and they shall be seized with trembling on Egypt's day of doom, for it is at hand. Thus said Hashem, I will put an end to the wealth of Egypt through King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. He, together with his troops, the most ruthless of the nations shall be brought to ravage the land, and they shall unsheathe the sword against Egypt and fill the land with the slain. I will turn the channels into dry ground, and I will deliver the land into the hands of evil men. I will lay waste the land and everything in it by the hands of strangers. I, Hashem, have spoken. Thus said Hashem, I will destroy the fetishes and make an end of the idols in Naf, and no longer shall there be a prince in the land of Egypt, and I will strike the land of Egypt with fear. I will lay Pathros waste, I will set fire to Zoan, and I will execute judgment on No. I will pour out my anger upon Sin, the stronghold of Egypt, and I will destroy the wealth of No. I will set fire to Egypt, Sin shall writhe in anguish, and No shall be turned turned and torn apart. Naf shall face adversaries in broad daylight. The young men of Avon and Pi-Bethsith shall fall by the sword, and those towns shall go into captivity. In Tehaphanes daylight shall be withheld, when I break there the power of Egypt, and there her proud strength comes to an end. The city itself shall be covered with cloud, and its daughter towns shall go into captivity. Thus I will execute judgment on Egypt, and they shall know that I am Hashem. In the eleventh year, on the seventh day of the first month, the word of Hashem came to me. O mortal, I have broken the arm of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. It has not been bound up to be healed, nor firmly bandaged to make it strong enough to grasp the sword. Assuredly, thus said Hashem, I am going to deal with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. I will break his arms, both the sound one and the injured, and make the sword drop from his hand. I will scatter the Egyptians among the nations and disperse them throughout the countries. I will strengthen the arms of the king of Babylon and put my sword in his hand, and I will break the arms of Pharaoh, and he shall groan before him with the groans of one struck down. I will make firm the arms of the king of Babylon, but the arms of Pharaoh shall fail, and they shall know that I am Hashem when I put my sword into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he lifts it against the land of Egypt. I will scatter the Egyptians among the nations and disperse them throughout the countries. Thus they shall know that I am Hashem.
Hebrews 11.32-12.13 And what shall I more say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weaknesses were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yes, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts, and in mountains, and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, Let us lay aside every weight, and the sin which does easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking to Yeshua, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. You have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loves... He chastens, and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards, and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening or discipline, for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Therefore lift up the hands which hang down, and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Psalm 112, 1-10 Praise ye the Lord, 
Blessed is the man that fears the Lord, that delights greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man shows favor and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. He has dispersed. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. The wicked shall see it and be grieved. He shall gnash with his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. Proverbs 27:17. Iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. I want to speak to you today from our Torah portion from Genesis chapter 32, and then we're going to jump into Hebrews 11, the great hall of fame of faith. But let's begin now in Genesis chapter 32, and I want to zoom in on verse 8. And to give you a little bit of context, Jacob is now heading back home, but his brother Esau is on the way to meet him. And Jacob is greatly afraid because Esau has murder in his heart and he had anger and hatred towards his brother all the way back in the womb when the two twins were struggling in the womb and the Lord spoke to Rebecca and revealed to her that there were two nations in her womb and that the older would end up serving the younger well while they struggled when it was time for the birth to come Esau came out first, but he took his foot and was about to crush the head on the soft spot of the head of his brother Jacob. So Jacob put his hand up over his head to his hand to cover and protect his head. Otherwise, his brother's heel would have crushed it and he would have died. So I I've talked a little bit about this before. I really believe Jacob has been much misunderstood in the scriptures. He's been called a supplanter and a deceiver and this and that. But he did what his mother told him to do. His mother told him, I want you to pretend to be Esau. Put on some hairy um, coverings on your hand and let's make that red beef stew for your father that he loves. And when he gives the blessing, it's going to go to you and not to your brother Esau. And why did she do that? Because God showed her when they were still in the womb that Jacob was going to be the one to walk in the blessing and to receive the inheritance, not Esau. And in other places in the New Testament, God himself says, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. Why? Because the two boys represent two nations. And these two nations are going to be at war with each other in the end of days. So there's a Jacob nation and an Esau nation. So who is the Jacob nation? The Jacob nation is also, I'll call biblical Zion. 
and it includes all 12 tribes, the Northern Kingdom and the Southern Kingdom, the House of Israel, or Joseph or Ephraim, and the Southern Kingdom, Judah, the, the Jews. And Jacob, in the scriptures, we learn that he was a man of the tents. That's a Hebrew idiom for a man who loves to study the Torah. So Jacob loved the word of God and he studied it. In contrast, Esau is a man of the field. He likes to hunt. He's a hunter. He's a bloody man. So he likes to hunt. And so what does Esau, the spirit, and the descendants of Esau look like today? Esau was cunning. Esau was crafty. Esau is a hunter. He's like a lion that hides in the uh, tall grass and waits for his prey and then pounces upon his prey. Esau is bloody and violent and full of hate. Esau hated his brother because he felt like he got ripped off and robbed of his birthright. And to this very day, where do we find that spirit manifesting? We see Palestinians that are violent, that do bombings and terrorist attacks and all kinds of bloody things in violence because they want the land. They want to establish a nation called Palestine. But Esau's not just over there in the Middle East. That spirit is all over the world. But I digress. Let's go back to chapter 32, verse 8. Jacob was greatly frightened in his anxiety. He divided the people with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two camps. Now, this is a remez hint and a picture of something. Let me lay the foundation for this. I've said this before. I'll say it again. Biblical history is prophecy. The events, the historical events that we read about of our uh, spiritual forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they literally happened. But those events are also a prophetic template and a blueprint for the end of day's last generation. So things uh, cycle back. They It's like a circle. And um, so we see in this verse, Jacob divides his camp into two because he's afraid. And he kind of figures, well, if one camp gets destroyed and killed by Esau, then the other camp will make it. Now, this is a, a picture, a prophetic picture of something that happened later on in the Bible in 1 Kings chapter 12, when the nation is split into two, northern kingdom and southern kingdom. And we have Rehoboam leading the northern kingdom, the ten tribes of the north, and Jeroboam no, I got it mixed up. Jeroboam leads the ten kingdoms, the ten tribes of the northern kingdom, Jeroboam. And Rehoboam is the king, ruler over the southern kingdom. So we have two kingdoms. And there's actually some battle strategy in this because on a military battlefield, if you divide up into two, then if one group gets destroyed by the enemy, the other group may still survive. So this picture of Jacob dividing his camp into two is an, it's a remez hint of the United Kingdom of Israel dividing into two. 
Also, Jacob was greatly afraid. Okay, the time of Jacob's trouble, which is mentioned in Jeremiah chapter 30. And in Jeremiah chapter 30, it is written in Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 6, Ask now and see whether a man is ever in labor with child. So why do I see every man with his hands on his loins like a woman in labor, and all faces turn pale? Verse 7, Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it, and it is the time of Jacob's trouble. But he shall be saved out of it. So we see imagery in these two verses that the time of Jacob's trouble, also known as the Great Tribulation, that will happen in the end days, is compared to a woman that's going through labor pains. She's going to labor, and she has the pains of labor because she's about to give birth to a child. Well, what's about to happen in the end of days? A nation is going to be born. And what is this nation? Let's look at it in Isaiah chapter 66, verses 7 through 9, where it is written, Before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came, she delivered a male child. Let me just hit the pause button. Normally, a woman goes through labor, and then she gives birth. But what these verses are saying is that she gives birth first, and after she gives birth, then she goes through labor pains. Before she was in labor, she gives birth. And then after she delivers the male child, then her labor pains come. So what's that all about? Well, I believe it's talking to us about the male child being Yeshua. Yeshua is giving birth, is, is born. And after Yeshua is born, later, a woman is going to go through labor pains. And what is she going to give birth to? She's given birth to a male child. Now what? Let's continue reading. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. So this has been partially fulfilled in May of 1948 when the Israel nation was reborn. The Jews coming out of the Holocaust all over Europe, many of them migrated to Palestine, and then in May of 1948, this uh, land became, it was rebirthed as Israel. So, can a nation be born in one day? Yes, the nation was born in one day, but it's not been fulfilled in all of its fullness. Because this is talking about a nation being born, and the nation is called Zion. So, there's going to be another birthing of a nation, and that nation is going to be called Zion, and just prior to the birthing of that nation, there will be labor pains. And Yeshua speaks of that in Matthew 24, and in Luke 17, he talks about the signs, what will be the signs of his coming. And he gives a whole list of signs of his coming, wars and rumors of war, wars, earthquakes, famines in various places, but not yet, but not yet. So then he, he lists more signs, which I'm, I'm not going to go into detail on that. Anyway, coming back to Genesis chapter 32, verse 8, Jacob was greatly frightened, and in his anxiety he divided the people with him, the flocks and the herds, into two camps. So Yeshua is going to reunite these two 
divided nations, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And in verse 12, let's look at Genesis 32, 12. Deliver me, this is Jacob praying. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, else I fear he may come and strike me down, mothers and children alike. So in the end days, we are going to have this beast system rise up. And I believe right now we are seeing that beast system rising up with all of the tyranny that we are seeing and the mandates and the lockdowns in many countries all throughout the world, Australia, New Zealand, France, Canada, the U.S., all this tyranny regarding mandates of this jab, this vaccine jab. So this is the beast system rising, and Jacob is afraid here in this verse, but it's a picture, a prophetic picture of the end days. It's the time of Jacob's trouble. It's like birth pangs. But Jacob looks to God. He looks up and he cries out to God. He prays. He prays and he cries out to God and he looks to the Lord for his deliverance and for his redemption. And that's what we need to be doing today. Similarly, we need to cry out whatever our circumstance is. If we got fired or lost our job or we quit or retired, um, we've made sacrifices, we're going through suffering and persecution, um, we need to cry out to the Lord and trust in him. Because just as he delivers Jacob out of the hand of Esau, He's going to deliver us, the descendants of Jacob, out of the hand of the descendants of Esau who want to kill and persecute and trample upon the saints of God. Now let's go into Hebrews chapter 11. And I call this the Hall of Fame for Faith. And this is a great uh, encouraging chapter all about the faith and and how to walk in the faith of the Lord. And we see many, many examples of people throughout the Bible who walked in tremendous faith. And it gives us encouragement. It's almost like uh, we have a great cloud of witnesses, people in the grandstands of a great, like a football field, and they're all shouting and roaring and saying, come on, you can do it. Keep running the race. Keep running the race. So, Let's start actually in chapter 11, verse 37. These people that have been listed uh, in this chapter, they were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, they were destitute and afflicted and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. I just want to encourage you, if you might be going through some kind of suffering or trial or persecution or difficulty, perhaps you've lost a job, perhaps you're homeless, perhaps you're going through a divorce, whatever it might be, perhaps someone you love close to you has died of COVID. Um, God looks down and he sees all. He's Elroy. He sees everything, all the details of your life. And be encouraged. The great champions of the faith, they hid in caves. They were tremendously persecuted. They were martyred. 
And we're going to go through similar kinds of things. And we're not alone. Yeshua is in it with us. So let's jump into chapter 12 now. Therefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking to Yeshua, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Those are probably a couple of the most favorite verses I have. I've just they're deep in my spirit because I often think of this journey in life like a race, but it's not a sprint. It is a long distance endurance race. And we're running this race. It's almost like a relay race. And there's, uh, it's like cross country. There's uh, barriers you have to jump over and creeks you have to cross. And uh, it's a long, long, long race. And sometimes we have to pause and stop and get some water and drink and uh, rest for a little bit and catch our second wind and then keep on going. And sometimes we may feel discouraged in this race. We just want to quit. Oh, my my muscles are screaming. They feel like they're on fire. I've got to stop. I can't keep going. I just want to lay down on the ground and just go to sleep for the next eight hours. And yet, We are to run this race so as to win the prize for the upward call of Yeshua. And he will give us that second wind. And what I love is it says we look to Yeshua, the author and the finisher of our faith. So he starts us on this race. We believe on him in faith and trust in him. And he then puts a guidance missile, so to speak, inside of us. And then he is with us every step of the way on the race from the beginning and every step of the way during. And then all the way to the end when we break the tape and we cross the finish line and we see him face to face one day, we will all see him face to face, either upon death or when he returns, we will see him then face to face. And so he is our example. And for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. What was the joy that was set before him? I believe that when he was hanging on that cross, actually when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before in the garden, the Olive Garden, which is directly across from the eastern gate of the old city, is the Olive Garden that when he was there in that olive garden praying and shedding drops of blood because he was under so much duress, the joy that was set before him was he saw through time. He saw you and he saw me. He saw every single person that would one day come to believe on him and put their faith in him and their trust in him. He saw thousands upon thousands upon thousands of faces of the people who would come to eternity and come into everlasting life because he lays down his life for his sheep. He shed his blood for his sheep. 
He saw the multitudes, the faces, and I believe that was what the joy was that was set before him, that motivated him and inspired him to endure the cross. Now we all have a cross to endure, and each cross is uniquely designed specifically for you and for me. My cross might be completely different and is completely different than yours. And remember, the cross is an instrument of death. It is to kill our flesh. And so we can't compare one to another because, you know, your cross may look super easy to me. Oh, I can handle that. No big deal. So what? But then, you know, my cross that I carry, that I endure, might be something far too unbearable for someone else to bear. So Yeshua tailors the cross that we endure, each one of us, specifically to each person. And it's what keeps us utterly dependent upon the Lord. It's what keeps us nailed to Him. So keep running your race. If you get weary or tired, take a break. Rest, spend some downtime, take a bubble bath, play some nice worship music, have a quiet time with the Lord alone, just you and Him. Rest, but then get back in the race and keep on running. Remember, it's a long distance endurance race. And beloved, I want every single one of us to cross the finish line and to break the tape and to run so as to win the prize for the upward call of Yeshua. Have a blessed day. We'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. Vish Mareka Yah Adonai Anavilaka Vikuneka Yisa Adonai Anav Hileka Vayaseh Leka Leka Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. <laughs>